Etop Ikpe, welcome to the African Tech Roundup, man. Hey, thanks, Andili. Thanks so much for having me, man. Uh, really good to be on the show. Really awesome to be here. <laughs> ah, I'm sure it is. At a time like this, sir, you're riding high at the moment, aren't you? Series A closed. Congratulations to you and your team at uh, Cars45.com. Uh, thanks so much. Um, you know, I mean, some of these things, uh, uh, it, it, it's, it, it, this is kind of where the real work begins, right? So uh, I think uh, from, from, from our experience, you know, it's really about double, doubling down and delivering on, on what we promised. And uh, that, that's pretty much our focus. It's uh, just creating the value that we've seen and uh, being able to develop the market um, as much as we, we believe it has the potential to do. So I put my neck on the block last week on the show. I shared with the listeners the reason why I'm bullish on your startup and what, and its potential is because I think it speaks, and correct me if I'm wrong, and, and uh, to me it speaks a lot more directly to a real pain point, you know, that, that people are experiencing. It, it doesn't feel as much as a, as a solution-chasing market, right? It feels a lot more organically, hey, come on, every other person I know in Nigeria who's ever had to buy a car has experienced the pain point your business addresses. Hence, I'm pretty certain it should do quite well if you guys execute correctly. What do you, what do you make of my, my sense of this? Um, I think you're 100% spot on. Um, I think the key, uh, and this is, uh, in, in, in a way, this is where I think a lot of, uh, a lot of people kind of uh, miss out on the kind of opportunities that are available. Um, and, uh, and for us, it's really just looking at, you know, an area or, or, or an industry that has a lot of a, a lot of potential. Um, in terms, of, and I mean, not in terms of just the market. The market already exists. You know, cars are being sold for years, and we, like you mentioned, everyone pretty much has a big problem around, uh, you know, how they do this. And if you look at the kind of people who. Uh, regularly, uh, you know, the kind of people who own cars in, in, in Nigeria or in Lagos. And when it comes to, and, 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 and what they do on a regular basis, you know, how they spend their money, um, where they go, what they read, you know, and then when it comes to selling their cars, most of them are being forced to basically deal in a segment of the market that they normally would have no kind of interaction or business dealing with. And that shows that there's a need to sort of bring in a lot of professionalism, um, a lot of service quality, um, and, and, and basically bring in a lot of transparency into, in, into the industry. And I mean, it's not easy, it's, it's not pretty, um, but it's valuable. And, 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 and that's pretty much what, what, what we're after, creating value. So we're going to come back to Cars 45 because we've got listeners listening to us from all over the world. Some mm-hmm. may not be entirely unfamiliar with Nigeria as, as a country, never mind the e-commerce scene and, and perhaps even scratching their heads at, what, what does he mean? Like, what does Andile mean when he says pain points? Or, you know, what does Etop mean when he says there's a lack of professionalism? So I'm going to let you paint a picture a little later on in terms of what it is exactly, like what are the problems you guys are addressing and how you're going about addressing them for people yeah. who are looking to buy and sell cars in Nigeria. That is what Cars 45 do. In case you've been living under a rock, what are we talking in terms of the funding you guys landed for your Series A? Um, yeah, I, I mean, you, you mean in terms of focus? Oh, no, no. In terms of like, what did you land cash-wise? Oh, five, uh, five, $5 million, uh, basically. $5 million. yeah. Put us into, in, in context, what sort of runway does that buy a company like Cars45? Uh, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's very different um, from various industries. Um, but I think for us, uh, it's anything that would basically take us to a position where, um, where more or less, uh, we've more or less covered, uh, you know, where we're in every major city in the country, um, where every major town in the country, where a household brand and name, um, and our plan is to basically achieve that in uh, the next 18 to 24 months. Okay. So in, in African terms, that's quite a burn rate. But again, we're going to come back to Cars 45. I keep getting dragged back. I want to talk about your, your sort of the origin story. You know, what led you to where you are now? For those listening who aren't familiar with your entrepreneurial resume, former commercial director at Conga, which is easily one of Nigeria's larger e-commerce platforms, if not first or second you're also formerly the CEO and co-MD of Deal Day, which is, for those of you who aren't familiar, yeah. uh, I suppose yeah, yeah. Africa's response to, 
to or Africa's answer to Groupon, I guess. And yeah, and then you had a couple of stints with perhaps lesser known companies before that. I want to talk about yeah, yeah. e-commerce in general, because I feel you can speak to that quite uh, eloquently. I think there were expectations made or generated about five years ago, perhaps before that, a little after that. There was a huge bullish drive towards Nigeria being the next big thing in terms of e-commerce. Certainly, it was expected to lead the market. You guys had this huge population. The adoption of the internet and, and mobile seemed on the rise. It just seemed like e-commerce was going to be this huge thing. You know, Rocket Internet, of course, sinking millions into startups in the space through Jumia and that massive group of companies. What did we all sort of get wrong in terms of our enthusiasm for the scene? And, and what do you think was accurate in terms of what people projected would happen in the, in the space? Okay, so I, I think um, first thing I'll focus on what was accurate. Um, and what was accurate is very obvious, right? There was, there's been a huge adoption. Uh, it's become a mainstream product for most people. Um, so people who have used it haven't gone back. Um, we've begun to see a lot of verticals and a lot of other um, sub-businesses. The logistics industry is, 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 is becoming much more mature. Um, you know, there's also a lot of the development around that space. There's a lot of development around payments. So you can see, like, e-commerce has then led to a birth in payments, you know. So, 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 so the, it, it's basically stimulated the entire ecosystem. So I think in terms of is there a potential there? Yes, of course, that has been answered. Um, you know, is it, and, and is it growing? Yes, it's still growing. Um, so, so I think on the other end, right, um, number one is it, it, in Africa, um, and, I, and, I, and I say this across, and I, and I don't think it's different from any, any, any major industry in anywhere, anywhere across the globe. Um, it's always a, you know, a long-term game. Um, and I think the big mistake was a lot of people assuming that, you know, with the kind of challenges and infrastructural problems that we had, um, it was just going to be an overnight success without necessarily any kind of changes. And sometimes some people, if you look at it in context, right, Jeff Bezos has been at the helm of Amazon for 20 years. Um, you know, and, and if you look at the first seven years of the Amazon business, um, there was a rise in the share price. Uh, you know, after the first four years, and then post uh, post uh, dot com um, post the dot com crisis in, uh, in 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 late nineties, you know, the shares tanked, and it didn't take. It took almost another you know five to seven years before you began to see a rise in share price. Now, all what you've mentioned in terms of Jumia and Conga are literally four or five years old. Right, and, and and looking at it from that context, and let's even bring another industry into perspective that has uh, that, that has uh, done a lot in terms of you know kind of development and delivering on the promises. Um, in, in Nigeria, we look at the telecom sector, and um, of course, uh, companies like MTN, uh, Airtel, uh, Globalcom, all had a huge role to play in kind of the, 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 everyone knew there was a huge potential. There were a lot of people that weren't. Uh, uh, you know, kind of connected to any kind of uh, telecommunication system. And so there was a lot to do in terms of developing the infrastructure and basically being able to deliver value um, in, 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 in the company. And I, I mean, MTN started in Nigeria in 2000, 2001. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but at, at, at least from what I know about two years ago, they probably declared around uh, a $1 billion profit, you know, from... Uh, there or thereabouts. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and, and so it, I think the difference, though, Etop, you have to admit, is that we were sold that expectation. The public and indeed, I think, fans of or casual observers of Africa's tech and even innovation scene didn't manufacture this enthusiasm. It was promoted quite, you know, heavily. This notion that things would happen and things would happen fast. And I am not... I'm not anti-enthusiasm. I just, on this show, people have come to expect a, a fair deal of pragmatism, right? Where it's like, there's no doubt that we are this amazing potential as corporately as a continent and of course individually as various markets. But I, I do feel like sometimes agendas get in the way of getting true insight to, to people who are looking for it. Yeah, and I, and I completely agree. But I also don't think that... Um... I mean, Nigeria hasn't had, uh, you know, we, we haven't had um, a worse uh, economic situation like we've had in over 20 years. And that happened to be 
at the very nascent stage of e-commerce development in, in Nigeria. And, and so that also had, I think, that for me, that's a, that, that, that's a, that had the largest part to play in terms of the... Uh, of the you know of of the decline of the the perceived decline in industry and that that's basically the consumer index. There's not one industry in Nigeria that didn't see a decline over the last. That hasn't years. taken a hit. Yeah, everyone from the auto industry, every yeah. single business has every single business has taken a hit. So um, I, I don't see how it's possible for uh, you know a consumer-based industry to be immune to something that like that. And 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 the question is. Um, you know, uh, where, where, where the judgments need to be made is basically if we begin to see an inclination in the economy, which is beginning to happen, will that cascade across the e-commerce uh, industry? And, and one key thing I said is, look, it's, it, isn't it quite funny that, you know, regardless of what happened, you know, very, there, there wasn't any major e-commerce company that actually shut, shut its doors or, or basically folded up. So regardless of how difficult it was or how, or, or how challenging it was, Somehow they've all been able to get through um, th- through the difficult situation, and I think it's been a great time in terms of innovation. And you've seen a lot of changes across the board. Um, so, so, so I mean, I, look, I mean, we we have seen the likes of Groupon sort of turn tail, you know, and basically admit defeat and that kind of thing. And I, look, to me, this is this is it. I like what I'm hearing from you because there's this admission that the businesses being built in the e-commerce space these are future plays. On many levels, um, would you agree at, at very least that, for example, despite all the advances we're seeing in fintech, mobile money, e-commerce, even mobile adoption, I mean, we still trail the developing world in terms of the levels of adoption that make the addressable market substantially as interesting as the developing world. And in a sense, we're getting there and we will get there. And in many, in many respects, you know, Okonga or Jumia represent uh, the, the type of well-capitalized e-commerce platforms that are prepared to wait it out. Except that's not what we were sold at the beginning. I realize that now, looking at it, that's my analysis of the situation. But that's certainly not what, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure a lot of uh, sort of, uh, you know, VCs and, and, and investors looking on were being to- sold as a story. Um, I mean, I, th- I think without the economic recession, um, you would have kind of seen that same level of, uh, you know, you would see, I, I don't think there would have been any kind of, you, you, have, you would have seen any kind of growth dial down across the board. No, I, I think you'd have seen that sustained level. Um, but I think if you look at sort of like the Indian uh, space, right, and you look at like Flipkart and, uh, and um, you know, Snapdeal and what's happening there, I think in terms of sustainability, um, all models would eventually have to have changed at some point in time, and, and certain things need to have been done. Um, of course, for the market to have scaled as quickly as it did, a lot of money needed to go into basically building out the awareness and offering all sorts of incentives to customers to, to, you know, to basically adopt the model because we're trying to get a lot of people in. Um, and I, I, like I mentioned, I think you know, the, the economic recession, you know, and, and that largely affected even a lot of other countries across Africa, it had a large, large role to play. I think without that, you would have seen, would have seen a lot of growth. Um, now, is this growth, would this growth have resulted in um, you know, profitability? Maybe not. Uh, maybe just sustained growth levels. Is that what we're seeing across the, the globe in terms of what investors are looking for? No, everyone is now beginning to demand for more value. So I think regardless of what happened, even if the growth was sustained, at some point in time, every, you know, the, the, the ecosystem itself would have had to you know, kind of uh, face up to realities. So whether it happened then or it's happening now, it's, uh, it, we would all have to be at the same conclusion eventually. Um, and so what do you feel are... like? Give me, say, three or four metrics that you feel all e-commerce businesses let's let's keep it let's keep it specific to Nigeria or West Africa. What what are four key metrics you feel um, every e-commerce business in Nigeria ought to be held held to or at least uh, judged against? Um, I think number one would be, of course, your customer acquisition cost. Um, basically, how much is actually costing you to be, acquire each new user? Um, okay, which you've already, by your own admission in Nigeria, that's still in ex- that cost is still extremely high. It depends on the business. Like I said, um, how many people are watching this and consider this uh, um, uh, an important number to look at? And, and, and basically, it, it, it syncs with uh, you know, the ROI on that consumer. Because, for instance, if, it's costing me, if it basically costs me too much money to acquire a customer, then there's just no way 
I'm going to ever be able to break even on that customer. So the second metric I'll look at is basically your ROI or the CLV on, 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 on your consumers. And looking at those two met, met, metrics, I think the, it, it's never around <coughs> what the customer acquisition cost actually is. It's about the kind of your, your margin structure and are you actually ever able to break even on these customers and how long it takes. So, um, and I think if you look at both, it's then the decision of the business, you know, the, the, the business owners to determine how they want to juggle these two numbers. But I think if you're not looking at sort of what your customer acquisition cost is and you're not looking at what the CLV is, eventually when you get paid back, by, uh, when these customers pay you back, then there's, there's a lot of trouble. So I'll say those first two things um, are very important. Um, the second, uh, the, the third number I would uh, basically look at is your, um, is your, is, sorry. It's, Twitter it's, following. Yeah, sorry, it's the, it's the churn rate. Is your Twitter? Yeah, it's the churn I'm rate. Being tang, I'm, I'm, I'm being tongue-in-cheek tang here. Your t- <laughs> so your, your, your turnover? No, 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 your, your, uh, your churn rate. Basically, how many people are leaving. Uh, oh, your churn rate, yeah, okay, your, okay. Your churn rate, how many people are leaving your platform. Um, uh, because of course everything is all about you know how much how, and, and that's a very good determinant around kind of the quality of service that you're delivering. Um, and if you it doesn't matter if you're if you're acquiring everyone um, that's around you if you're if you're losing half of them um, then it means that you're going to be back to square one in around the same time. So uh, you know looking at the churn rate is also super important and uh, the, the number of repeat customers that you have as well. That, I was going to say, what about repeat business? Yes, that, that's, because that's, that, you, that, that's, uh, that's, that's my fourth variable that I'll look at. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. Let's use these as a sort of entrees into understanding the e-commerce scene in Nigeria a little better. So let's start with what you mentioned first. What was your first one? Um, customer acquisition cost. Why is customer acquisition cost in yeah in Nigeria, higher than, say, in Silicon Valley? I know this is a ridiculous question, but let's, let, let's break it down into what makes customer acquisition such a mission in the context of the Nigerian e-commerce scene? No, so, so I, I don't think it's, it's high. Like, like, like I, I, this is my view. Like my, my view is I don't think it's high. I think it's a, it's a number you set as a business. And from a, at least the way I've used customer acquisition, of course, I don't think it's high. I think it's a number that you set um, based on your margin structure, what you what you actually expect to get in return from those customers, right? And so it's not it's, it's it should be looked at it from a context where if I spend a lot of money on this customer, or I, or this is what I basically want to get. So one, it's about how much the customer can give you back. Two, it's also about what kind of channels are you using to acquire these customers. Um, I've, I've seen scenarios where I've seen extremely insanely high customer acquisition costs, but I've also seen scenarios where there was a lot of spend, but the customer acquisition cost was also quite well managed, and it wasn't as high. So I, I think it's really it, it's not it's not cast in stone that your customer acquisition cost has to be insanely expensive because you're operating in Nigeria. I think that's a function of um, kind of having the right people doing the right job and who understand e-commerce well enough that they apply those kind of rules in Nigeria. And I mean, just like any other business, I expect oh yes, in your first three or six months of of marketing. Uh, you expect that you know your CACs will go high, but you also have to have a limit because regardless of how high it goes, there's a level to which your customer acquisition costs get to that it's a clear sign that your business is unsustainable. You're pretty much spending too much on marketing because at the end of the day, if you're going to spend that amount of money in marketing, then it means that um, not a lot of people are coming onto the platform. And then you should be asking yourself certain questions that, what exactly is creating the friction and why are people actually coming onto the platform from spending this amount of money marketing? So let me, let me tell you where I'm coming from with my question, right? Yeah. Whenever, yeah. We, whenever, often when African markets, well, addressable markets are discussed within the African context, right? They point to how huge numbers, I mean, firstly, Nigeria's huge population, uh, the fact that we've got like the youngest population in the world, youngest and fastest growing population. And we all factor these things into the addressable market, right? And what I find done less is admissions or, or takedowns to take into consideration the fact that, mm-hmm. okay, our definition of the middle class, in as much as we've got like mobile penetration, how much of that is smartphone penetration? How many people actually have smartphone access but don't have access to, say, portable broadband? Of those people, again, how many of those are actually actively 
are using the broadband access they do have to to participate actively as e- in e-commerce and and I find if you were to think of it in that way acquisition yeah, costs yeah. technically of the average african currently who's never interacted or transacted online is pretty darn high relative to say someone in say minnesota do you understand what i mean exactly and and i, and I, and I wonder like wh- how you guys come to that figure even in terms of calculating it and sort of justifying or sort of determining the lens to which you will try and acquire a customer does the person who's not currently in a market for a card now but in the right sort of pay brackets count as a potential customer in your context. And I feel like there's a lot of gray area in that space that's used to almost justify spending tons and tons and tons without return on investment to show for it. Exactly. Um, and so I, I think um, the, 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 there's Does, one... Is what I'm saying making sense? Do you get what I'm coming from? Yes, I do. I, I understand 100%. Yeah. So, so I, I, think, I think this is the thing, right? Um, the first level is... When you adopt a marketing strategy, right, um, there seems to be a notion that a lot of people tend to be, become more aware that, yeah, it's, it's not like if you go around and ask people, have you heard of this business or have you heard of this uh, model before or do you know this brand? After all that money has been spent on marketing. And the question is, yes, they're aware. They're, they're very conscious of the fact that the brand exists. And so the second level is, so if they are aware, then exactly why aren't they converting as they should? Now mm. let's take a second. Let's take a step back and look at the successful companies that have existed, um, and, and in 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 the African context or in the Nigerian context, and look at look, look at the keys to their success. And maybe in a sense, maybe we as e-commerce guys have been maybe a bit too arrogant of the you know people who have actually pre- had success in regular businesses in the past mm-hmm. and kind of figuring out and looking more, more, more structurally at the models and, fit and trying to identify how exactly did they make it happen. You know, these are the same um, businesses that, you know, existed in, in the West and did very well and they were able to come, study in the market locally and actually deploy strategies that, that made these businesses fairly successful. And I'm talking about things like Heineken, Guinness, Coca-Cola, uh, you know, even MTN in Nigeria to a large extent. Now, right. let, let me take MTN as, 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 as one example. Um, the way MTN distributes its, its, uh, distributes its, its business, um, everything from, from uh, the recharge cards they sell for people to actually, you know, load top up their phones to SIM cards, every single thing. The way it's done is very different from what's being done in South Africa. And MTN adopted a very... Uh, FMCG style distribution model where they were redistributing through, through, they literally went and picked up people who had never been in the business before but had distributed other products and were working through them as resellers because one of the key things was getting the product to, because they understand, they understood that the pro, they, were, they were trying to reach the mass market, they were trying to reach the mass consumers and they understood that the product was, was actually something that needed to get to the mass consumers. Now, if MTN was going to spend all that money basically trying to manage that distribution chain themselves, they knew it was going to be. So what did they do? They basically focused on the distribution strategies that the existing successful FMCGs, i.e. Uh, P&G, uh, you know, all these other companies, Unilever, that have done great work in distributing their products across, and they adopted the same strategy. Now, I think for the, I mean, in hindsight, I'm, 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 I'm also responsible. I'm, I'm, I'm part of the sector, I'm part of, part of the ecosystem. Was um, because we expected a lot of people to come Onto the onto the platform, right? And that happened. It's not like it didn't happen. Yeah? People came onto the platform, but the, the 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 conversion strategy and breaking the trust factor, you know, the comparison to how many people are actually aware of the product, how many people are basically actually... you, basically a lot of people thought Amazon would happen overnight. That's just the truth of the matter, right? I mean, at the end of the day, they, there was an oversimplification of what it takes to succeed in Africa. Um, yeah, to, at anything, at yeah. anything, and uh, e-commerce was no exception. Exactly, and 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 I, and I think um, with that in mind, and with that said, um, that is where like redefining strategies come into play, and, and sort of like the you know ensuring that the entrepreneurs at the back of the business are the ones driving this constantly evolving strategies, you know, and ensuring that they understand the market and they're currently, they're, they're always developing um, business models and strategies to basically adapt and, and, and move along with the market, especially from what they see. Because unfortunately, there isn't anything like that. 
there usually isn't any kind of existing data or existing models for you to rely on. And so a lot of things you're going to be doing is basically looking at how the market is currently reacting and making a lot of changes to your business to, 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 to basically fit how the market is is, uh, is speaking. And, and, and so, so I, I think if you look at the general market, right, in Nigeria and say, okay, what are the things, how are people buying clothes, how are people buying mobile phones, what are the price points um, that people are doing these things at, and that is modeled on your e-commerce website, and you say this is how you want to do it. There's still a, there's still a part to play in terms of, you know, kind of breaking that trust factor and being able to move people to a point where they feel comfortable. I mean, I, I think how many how, how many people have you heard have have have, have how many uh, when it comes to content consumption, right? Mm-hmm. Right. I don't think I've ever really heard anyone complain that. Well, we set up a, a website in Nigeria and and we're distributing content. Um, and this is when I mean consumption. I mean just people go on there and read the content. Just read, just read the content, right? And and you find situations where, oh no, we haven't seen any kind of growth, or uh, there's a problem with that. So you find that there are a lot of people who actually you know go to the internet and consume content, use Twitter, use Facebook, regardless of what has happened with Twitter. Dwindling across the globe is growing in Nigeria. Instagram is growing, so is Facebook and every single other content consumption. But when 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 a second layer is added, which then comes to activity-based interaction with your platforms, um, and you want to lead them through a product cycle, and you want to get them to do a certain things. That's where all the, that that's where all the friction exists, right? <clears throat> and, and and in developing your customer acquisition costs, you have to figure out what are you going to do to mitigate against all this friction that occurs on the platform, right? And what are the realities that you're going to have to basically develop to ensure that. When you're deploying your marketing budget, people are gonna know about your brand, but how are you actually gonna get them to eventually close this transaction with you? In some cases, it might mean that you're gonna do something completely out of what, you know, is... is Silicon is, Valley normal in terms of an e-commerce startup. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and Perfect, exactly. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you put the words right in my mouth. I was looking for the most... <laughs> I had to make one up because... Uh, I was looking for the yeah, friendliest way to say this. Exactly. I was looking for the friendliest way to say it. But the truth is, in some ways, you might not be able to, you might not be able to explain this to your investors because they will never understand what you're trying to do, especially, because, especially if you're getting funding from outside of the country or outside of Africa. You might never be able to explain in a way where they will understand that this is actually what it's going to take to get them to succeed. So you have to be able to figure out a way... Um, to help them understand what it actually takes to succeed. And so... And by me taking it... Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and you know, at Etop, you know the reason why... My heart is full listening to you, and I don't... <laughs> you know how hard it is to get someone in your position to make an admission like you, you just made right now? I think maybe part of the problem is we don't have a thriving angel investment and VC scene that's homegrown. We don't have a thriving homegrown VC and angel investment scene. And the reason I say that is I feel like... A lot of people who are in a position to to do the hard work of doing everything we're talking about are maybe trying to do it the Silicon Valley way because most of the money is coming from there or they're trying to convince foreign money that what's worked overseas will work here and sort of use foreign benchmarks to sort of describe the potential of our markets. And I think that's such a huge mistake, you know, that's constantly made. I think we need to hear more of what you're saying. The idea that, listen, we don't calculate customer acquisition the same way as you do in London because we have to take into account the fact that we only have so many of the mobile devices we have in the market. Only so many are smartphones. Only so many have actually ever been used to actually spend money online. You know what I mean? And what does that mean in terms of building a sustainable business over time? It might be a question of maybe we pursue less sexy propositions in order to sort of build that trust. And really, that's what I feel, you know, Cars45.com is. I mean, it's certainly not in terms of proposition, like the most glitzy proposition. But to me, it just answers a basic, basic question. Overnight, there are bound to be people who have experienced all the things your company can help them with. And I don't think that a lot of the people who want to pursue e-commerce as a business, are thinking that way. It still feels like new for the sake of new. Over at Conga, I mean, are groceries really where we should be taking e-commerce in Nigeria? Will that work? I mean, 
I don't know how rigorously they approach that process, perhaps more rigorously than I'm exposed to. But I just sense that there isn't enough rich dialogue around honestly describing what success requires in a market like Nigeria as far as e-commerce is concerned. So, so um, I, I mean, I, I think, I think, so, so anybody attacking the food segment in 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 any in in any part of Nigeria is onto something. Why? Because the food prices are completely outrageous, especially in the big cities, and the variance between where the food is actually produced and how much is actually eventually sold in the market. You know, it's it's not. I mean, you can see clearly in black and white. The price variance is insane, and there's a huge problem between. You know, being able to successfully solve how you 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 can deliver food to 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 people in the urban areas where you have huge uh, population density at affordable prices. That and these are the keys to actually reducing the poverty levels if you can reduce the cost of food. So I I personally think anybody attacking the food segment is onto something. Now, the key thing is, are we talking about? um, I mean, I'm I'm not in a position to understand. I'm no I'm no longer in a position to understand the exact strategy. Uh, you know that that, that Congo is that Congo is deploying, but I think the goal has to be around ensuring that the prices, which is the most important thing, are right for people, right? Because that's the most that that that's what that that's what people are most concerned about. And if you're able to crack the pricing structure around it and say, listen, because you're coming through me, you're going to get it X less than you would get it anywhere else, and you're still able to get it fresh. So Nigeria is not, I wouldn't say we're, 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 we're convenient, like people are going to say, oh, well, because it's much more convenient. I'm, um, I'm happy to pay more. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. So because so, it's actually affecting their bottom lines, right? They're not at a place where, you know, uh, there are a lot of options for them in terms of additional income. So if there was a way for them to save more money and, and get these products, and, and for you to do that, it means you also have to address the entire supply chain, which, of course, as I said before, is not a, a, a very sexy thing to do. Um, and so I think those, I think, like, look at the real problems, right? Nigeria is a problem that has, like, a country that has issues around power and energy. Um, we have issues with security. We have issues with, with, uh, with, with you know, affordable food and, and, and things like that and, and, and job creation. <coughs> and so I think... If you can apply technology in a way where it makes water more accessible to people, you have a billion-dollar opportunity there because there are so do you, a lot of do you ever do you ever think at top with all the energy you've spent like at Conga, Deal Day, and now at, at Cars Forty Five and all the other places before that? Do you ever wonder that if you had targeted something perhaps less sexy, like you say, <laughs> do, do you ever, ever wonder? Do you ever wonder what things might have looked like for you, your career? in terms of the traction you've developed as an entrepreneur, the success you've developed, have you ever wondered what things might have looked like if you had applied your energies to like perhaps a less glitzy problem, like, like you say, like water supply or, or power, for example? Have you ever thought about that? Uh, um, I, I think personally for me, I mean, it's always been about self-discovery, right? right. Um, so I, I think the more I realize, the more I know, you know, uh, the key to solving the problems on the continent are with lives of people like us. And if we're daring enough to take on these challenges and we keep relying on uh, the government and keeping, uh, you know, complaining about the inefficiencies of the government, then we have to also kind of look and be, begin, begin to think about the key responsibilities we have in applying, you know, as opposed to being on the side and criticizing, actually applying the, 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 the entrepreneurial skill and business skill that we have to solving some of the realer problems in on the continent, and I, I, I personally believe I, I don't think it's a, it's about me myself. I think it's a larger uh, calling on most people who who really believe they're innovative, um, uh, and 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 I think there's a huge gap around. I, I always think that even as a as, as an entrepreneur in Africa, you always have to think about the social side of what you're doing. It can never just be about money. You have to remember that everything you're doing has to be a, be around you know, empowering people and, and, and creating more jobs and getting people out of poverty. And I'm also, you know, for me, it's a, it's a self-discovery phase, you know, and, and I think the more and more I delve um, and, 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 and at least I think all my experience has given me an, a great understanding 
of, of what the real market is like and what it takes to build businesses and what it actually takes to you know get people to adopt certain things and adopt certain technology and how all this happens. And I think it's also given me the confidence to realize that there's some things that we can do. Uh, one of the biggest challenges you find in um, being able to deliver excellent service delivery, which is eventually what makes people stick um, in an operational business, is because you're not you're not at a place or, or position to determine how excellent the service you can offer is going to be. You're never going to be, and the larger your company is, uh, you don't. And 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 the more your the larger your company gets, the more difficult it is to be able to set certain standards across the board. Now, um, unfortunately, we also don't have a system where most of the people who actually offer the service can afford to consume the service. So they hardly ever get to be on the other side of the, of, 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 of the table, you know, or, or they have, actually ever get to consume um, because the kind of service that... So, for instance, if you look at... An, um, Perfect. Exactly. Or know what it's like to walk into a, you know, to a, to, to a fairly decent um, phone store and you purchase a phone. And, and because on the, the fact that you're working in an Apple store meaning, means that you're probably buying your phones on the black market or you're dealing sec- secondhand uh, or used phones. That's probably what you buy. So you never really understand sort of the, the, the experience that needs to be delivered. So that, that's also something that a lot of people need to think about in terms of and, and also why you also need to look at the kind of incentives you offer to your employees so you empower them in a place where they also can be able to sit on the other side of the table and that's how you graft in a way where they understand the absolute importance about offering perfect service because they, they then understand you know, how important it is to, um, to, to, to receive uh, excellent service. Now going, to back to, going back to what I said, um, you can be perfect in determining what the CLV should be and you know you have great LT, uh, LTV and CLV models so your ROI is perfect as well. However, nothing, there's, there's, there are no kind of calculations or you know, no, no kind of analysis or no fancy uh, product modeling sessions or whatever that can basically you know build, that, that can basically help you define your process where you have you know a thousand employees and some guy who is, you know, 2,000 miles away is able to, 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 to offer fantastic service. And that is usually where um, the churn rates, you know, goes to hell. Because most of the time, it's just at, it's at the end. And those are the people who usually interact with the companies. And it's the very little things, right? Um, the empathy you show to a customer who is grieving. Um, uh, you know, the absolute very little service that can, that can be applied. Little things that can be offered. <clears throat> that you just expect to get most of the time. So a lot of businesses, I think, have to focus on ensuring that you incentivize and you build this constantly in the minds of people um, and, and, and your, your company in, in its entirety to ensure that they deliver on this service. Because you will find a lot of people will leave and, and, and people come into the platform, you, are, you acquire them fantastically. They do have a great uh, CLV, but what happens is your, they, uh, drone, drones and drones of them are leaving the system. So they come, they interact, they interact with STEM once, twice, three times. And don't forget, as you get larger, right, more people come onto the platform. And then it gets to a point where they, 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 they get bad experiences and they begin to share these bad experiences. So rather than promoting your brand, they're actually then, you know, basically, yeah, exactly. And then that basically drives up your CAC, which makes your LTV and CLV much worse. Because the same adverts that you're doing, when people hear your adverts, it's the people that hear your adverts are saying, nah, those guys, they're messed up. My experience with them was terrible. So I think looking at the churn rate and, and, and really focusing on the churn rates helps you understand how well you're doing on the ground and how the kind of service that you're offering. And if you can stop the bleeding, which typically that's just, just what it is, if you can stop the bleeding to, as, to, 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 to be as minimal as possible, um, it sounds like an exercise in examining the soft issues that make business work and almost churn being a proxy for how well you're actually doing, in a sense. Yes, exactly, exactly. Because, I mean, if you're offering a good service, people shouldn't in be droves, leaving. Yeah. But here's, here's, <laughs> you know here's, I mean, here's, here's a, complica- here's yeah, a complicated, and, uh, um, and, and I'll use... 
what we do here at the African Tech Roundup. I mean, yeah. this conversation is going to be podcast. It may end up on radio through some sort of syndication, but predominantly it's going to be broadcast as digital content. We're an elitist proposition for this continent in the context of, you know, how many people actually have access to the internet to start, how many can actually afford mm-hmm. to download and listen to this podcast, right? So let's factor something like that into this churn debate, you know? Isn't mm-hmm. Africa or a market like Nigeria complex for that reason as well, where mm-hmm. someone might have saved up for their first iPhone, but it might be only three years away from, from ever being able to, to, to do anything the average iPhone user would do, say, somewhere more developed. And perhaps their very first e-commerce transaction is with you it is to help them sell a car and they never come back, not because they didn't like the service necessarily, but just just because this is Africa and sometimes there's a wedding to attend and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to shop online. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, you know, it's, it's very much about understanding your customer. And, I, and in reference to what you said, like the first thing, you, I mean, what we're talking about, you know, we had this background, background chat around, um, uh, around your audience, right? And you mentioned yeah. like you have, you have an audience in, in the US and you have an audience in London and you have an audience in Kenya too. So you recognize that if you're distributing on a certain platform, that platform means that there are only certain kinds of people that can access this platform. Now, if you design your product to basically be only accessible to people in South Africa, your product was never going to be as big as right. it is today. Right. Right? And it's the same thing. So understanding the customer, understanding that, well, the average Nigerian will buy a phone once in two years, um, maybe three I don't, they'll buy a phone and they'll fix it as many times as possible and maybe save up for one, once in two years or once in three years. Then you also understand that if someone comes and buys a phone from you, uh, in one year, you don't expect that person to come back and buy a phone okay. from you again or for another two years. And so the question is, when, what, what else is on the platform? And, and, and if this person, is, it, is this person making any other purchases? So when you then begin to look at their needs and their wants, and what are the, thing that, the, the things that they regularly consume and what do they actually spend money on. Um, and you look at your, your, your product selection, you then begin to understand if, am I, am I matching my product, my product selection with what these people actually spend, this, the, the, you know, the huge amount of money that they have, uh, sorry, or this, the, the, with the kind of money that they have, is my product selection matching their, 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 their own product selection? Are my prices matching or competitive to what their own price, their, their price structures are as well? And without an understanding of what your market segment is going to be, I mean, it's difficult. In, there's really no data, but you literally have to put yourself in the shoes of a customer and um, also get a lot of feedback from people, you know, do a lot of underground research, try to understand. I mean, the markets, they look dirty, they look messy. But why exactly do people go there? You know, right. or why? Why? If, if it's they're, they're not stupid, so why exactly are they going there? And if you know why they're going there, if you know what the kind of what kind of prices, it, it might mean that. And, and and those are the realities. It might mean that. Well, you might have started out planning to sell iPhones, and it might mean that. Well, you're on a negotiating table with you know um, uh, a manufacturer. Yeah. And you're basically negotiating how to basically produce $50 uh, mobile phones. Or you might have planned to sell really fancy designer clothing on your website, and you might realize that, look, you know, you don't want your price point to go above $3 or $4, right? So in the context of Cars 45, for example, Mm -hmm. what sort of flexibility in the context of this investment you guys have taken on from pretty reputable international VCs, what sort of wiggle room do you have to pivot (laughs) if necessary, given everything you've shared? Okay, so I, I think from day one we were very honest about what we're trying to what, what we're trying to target, right? So we are targeting the used car market, and that's not um, so. So the Nigerian market is broken into three. You have the brand new vehicles, you have the imported used vehicles, um, and those are gotten from the, the used vehicles that are imported from imported from Europe and the US, and then you have the locally. Uh, you, the locally used vehicles. Now the locally used vehicles are the largest segment. Right. Um, but hi- highly undesirable. Right. Uh, and understanding the reasons behind why, they're un- why, why it's undesirable to a lot of people, even though it's not like they don't want to play in the segment, but why is it undesirable for a lot of people? You know, it's basically the safety, all the issues that come around, being able to acquire or sell through or actively pay, play actively in the, within this segment. 
And for us, we saw that that's, that was basically what the, uh, that we saw that that's the, that's the mass market opportunity. Um, I, I wasn't in the, I'm not in the space to, to do something. I'm trying to do something that, you know, is really going to change behavior and, and, and creates a huge industry, um, creates a, a new economy, an entirely new economy. And I want to do something that completely can scale across Nigeria and has that potential. We've done our time. We've taken our time to research. Um, I think the, the key thing for and us sorry, is... I want to ask in the light of what you've just said, are you almost indirectly saying you've learned from mistakes in the past or miscalculations made at perhaps your former gigs? Oh, of course. I mean, I think anyone who doesn't learn from me, we all, we all make mistakes. And I think the key, the key to any kind of you know, mistake that you make is ensuring that you learn. So, I mean, we all make mistakes and... I've made mistakes in the past, and uh, I mean, you know, you must learn, and I have learned, and I'm applying things that I've learned into what I'm doing. Um, so, mm. so, 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 yes, yes. Uh, so, 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 like, so, I just want to compare the psyche of the kid who started that fashion startup with the three stitches or something like that. Yes, yeah, it was three stitches, correct, correct. Three stitches, right? I remember that was yeah. fashion, and so compare the psyche then and your psyche now. What's shifted the most? Um, the weird thing is that I think the kid who started that business started that business not from a top, not not not, not coming from the top. Started that business uh, as someone who really understood what the what the ground and the market was at the time, um, and knew exactly what to do to execute. Right. Okay. Um, and so the kid knew exactly what was happening, and I think um, being able to sort of go from that level to then being, you know, sort of this big brand or big label and, you know, servicing tons and tons of customers. Of course, the dynamics are completely different. And in a way, you know, you have to be able to find a way to mirror, to get what's on the ground and understand what's on the ground consistently. And then from a high level as well, be able to deploy that product so you can do it at scale. So I, I think, you know, that kid understood what the market was in my other roles and my other other where I had opportunities to basically do things on a much larger scale, um, uh, I would say um, that helped me as well to then understand how to deploy these things. So I think my, I'm I'm really a product of of, of my of, of of my experiences, right? So I I, I, I wouldn't say I'm I, I, I there's one better me or another. I just think it's it's a you go through life in different ways and everything kind of adds up to make you who you are so what's interesting to me as you explain that is this rather annoying stereotype that i even catch myself caught up in sometimes where in looking at entrepreneurial history of someone like you i'm kind of looking for when mit or or harvard made an impact and you know what i mean it changed you from the small time thinker to this this global thinker, thanks to this Ivy League education and the network it gave you. And and what I'm fascinated by is just looking at your CV or just having interacted with some of the businesses or covered some of the businesses you've worked for. There doesn't seem to be that thing. What you're saying is actually quite true. There's, there seems to be validation for what you're saying, that your university after you left the, the great University of Lagos was the university of getting it done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and, I, and I mean that in a, and I mean that I'm saying this for all our African brothers and sisters um, across the diaspora, many of whom will never get to attend an Ivy League and many of whom think that that's what's key to, to success in this, in this business. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think um, uh, we, we, we should never underrate the importance of getting like an Ivy League education. Um, uh, I mean, I, I, I think that kind of... Well, I'm undermining it yeah. right now. <laughs> so, so we, should, we should never basically... Take that, that, Harvard. Take that, Princeton. No, no, no. So, so, I, so, you're absolutely so, so. right. I'm not here to sort of smash, yeah. to smash that. I, yeah. And I, I've met amazing people. And with very few exceptions, especially, and it's usually a character issue, you can sort of sense the quality of what you glean when you go to places like that. Yeah, but, but, So I'm not taking it away from them. But yeah, you carry on. So, so I, I think first thing is, look, look at the landscape, right? Tech companies are not the first companies to attempt to do business in, in a country like Nigeria, right? They've been successful businessmen for many years and they're consistently successful businessmen and women. You know, and, 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 and these people from, from Dangote to, uh, to, to, to the lady, uh, Mrs. Alakeja, to, to Femi Hotel, all these people, 
you know, even, even Tonolumelu went to school in Nigeria, and so did uh, the guy in charge of Access Bank and, um, and, and Jimovia for Zenith Bank. I mean, there are tons and tons of people that you would call who never really had, um, you know, any kind of Ivy League education. Maybe at later stages in their life, they did go to get some kind of refined refinement done, or I don't know. But you know, but, but I mean, the fundamental around how they needed to succeed didn't have anything to do with what business school they went to. And, and I think it's also a function of the education you get and how you apply that to what economy you're, you're, you're actually going to play in. So I think, I mean, if you look at an advanced economy, right, um, and, 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 and so what does the role of sort of uh, an Ivy League education do for you if you're going to be in the U.S. or you're going to be in Europe, and, you know, and, and, and so what does that actually do for you? And then bring it back to Nigeria and say, okay, look at the level of success uh, that we've achieved, right? Look at the kind of successful businesses that have existed. How many of these people can be tied to XXYZ, right? And so you realize that mm, kind of it, it does seem like when, when you look at it from that trend, it does seem like people who actually have a large level of success um, tend to, you know, kind of need to understand how, how, how things happen on the ground. And, and mixing that, you know, with a team of people who can help you, you know, build your company in a way where you also have the, you know, the Ivy League things in there as well. But I, I think the, the, the fundamental need to succeed in, 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 in Africa and in Nigeria has a lot to just you know, knowing what are the right things to do across the board, right? Um, what are the things that you need to do to succeed? And, yeah. and it's, I'm, I'm not throwing this out in the air. I'm saying, look, do research. Look at all the companies that have succeeded in the past. Um, and and what, what, are, what are the key, key traits that you see amongst them? What are the key things that you see amongst them? Um, I mean, even from a tech perspective, look at InterSwitch. What are the key things that you see? You know, what, 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 what's consistent across these companies? Um, I would say the key thing is always addressing real problems. Real. Yeah. I agree with you. I totally agree with you. And which is why if I had money to bet, I'd bet on your business. I certainly would. I can certainly not say the same for the other e-commerce startups you've been involved with. So that's saying a lot, <laughs> you know, so I, no. I really do feel like that that's no, a I... very underrated aspect of what it takes to succeed. Have you assessed how well your venture, you know, meets a need? And I, and I feel like a lot of the time there are a lot of great ideas and I'm not saying people should stop dreaming or stop thinking or stop being creative um, but if it's commercial success and it's the kind of success that'll move the needle for the continent corporately, we need to start concentrating on stuff that we actually need. You know what I'm saying? Yes, exactly. Um, and, 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 yeah. and I think it's, and I think that's basically what's going to drive. I, I think that, I mean, maybe numbers haven't been shared. At least the advantage I've had is being in there. Um, and my goodness, so many lives impacted, so many orders delivered. Um, I, I mean, I think a lot of people... Are, will be shocked around how much or, or how e-commerce is actually, especially when it comes to the SMEs and, and being able to provide, you know, having people do um, peer, peer, peer-to-peer trading yeah. where people actually live on this stuff. And there's nothing like actually going into like a merchant's location who didn't, you know, has never gotten an opportunity to, 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 to work before or didn't have a job. And this person tells you that, look, they started with an investment of, you know, $50 on this platform. And right now, you know, they're feeding their family, they're sending their children to school, primarily from selling, selling through the platform. Um, I, isn't, isn't that the Amazon story? I mean, how long did it take for Amazon to actually do something we'd all consider worthy of popular mechanics or ink or, you know what I mean, or the cover of some sort of glossy magazine? It took a while. I mean, they were just kind of doing boring stuff, let's be honest. Exactly. <laughs> for the longest time exactly. until I mean it's only exactly. now like we're talking exactly. walking out of a shop without swiping anything or walking in and out and, and shopping without a card and, yeah. and I feel like I love what you guys are doing I heard via the grapevine you guys have something very interesting going with uh, Truecaller tell me about that and how it's going to enhance your offering um, I, I, I mean, I think uh, what, what, what we're doing with Truecaller is, uh, I mean, Truecaller had, 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 had spent um, quite a bit of time, um, you know, kind of developing the market in Africa and, uh, and the Nigerian market specifically was, you know, among their top five largest market, markets. Um, but I think from a monetization perspective or basically just being able to add a bit, a bit more value to the platform in itself, I think it's, it's something that it's, it's almost like second nature to a lot of Nigerians now. You buy a smartphone, you download the True Color app. 
Because once again, it's not a novelty tool, right? Because of the security levels in the country, it's very important to have some. You kind of need <laughs> exactly. to know who's calling you. Exactly. <laughs> you kind of need to know. That, a lot of people <laughs> kind have, of important. Uh, you know, dependents and, you know, people have situations where they don't want, you know, their financial issues, things like that. So people can just kind of feel more comfortable knowing who is calling them. So it's, it's I don't even think... Um, to a large extent, they even realized how much it was going to impact them. But because of the huge security layer that we had in the country, it became it's become very valuable, much more valuable than they even thought. And so, uh, you know, looking at it from that perspective, we also were looking for really innovative ways to reach out um, to people that, that we were trying to offer. We also understood that um, even though used cars is a mass is a mass market segment or, or, or fast moving product in that sense, it's still not something that is. It's not like every single Nigerian owns a vehicle, right? It's, it's still something that is fairly right. middle classy. You know, it's, it's not something that it's, it's not. So, so it wasn't the kind of thing for us where if we wanted to reach a lot of people, it would make sense. And this is where I talk about customer acquisition, of course. It would make sense going to deploy uh, mainstream marketing or advertising on one of the most popular TV stations or whatever, where it might cost us, you know, 100x or 150x what it would cost us to be on True Color. Um, mm. And so we were just looking for smart ways because we knew that what we're trying to target were certain people. And we knew that because cars, and another thing for us is that we're, we're looking at networks. Uh, because you see, cars are something that um, it's, it, aside from a home, right? It's probably the, 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 the uh, maybe only two or 3% of Nigerians will ever buy a home. So it's probably the most important purchase a lot of Nigerians would make. And um, right. it's high value and high importance. So meaning a lot of times, People sell their cars and buy cars through referrals. People right. don't necessarily, you know, and, 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 and I think the classifieds have done a great job in listing, but there's still a lot of people out there who basically just trust their own network, and that network is too small for them to be able to get any value. So we wanted to, we're looking for a platform that could be able to give us, you know, um, a good kind of organic connectivity. And um, in kind of figuring out how we're, able to, how were we going to be able to do this. Um, we had a lot of people contact us, and True Color basically gave us the ability to reach out to our sort of target audience, but mm-hmm. not just our target audience, was able to also push us to people who these people regularly contact. So we're able to remain in a very naturally organic referral-based system. Uh, and, and, and so I think... Yeah, so basically you guys can be creepy on the DL. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the only reason you guys are getting a pass for this is because of just how brilliant it is at meeting the need of your market and yeah, yeah. and also just yeah. because of how I know this is such a, a huge pain point for Nigeria in general, how it's important to know who's calling, how it's important to sort of be able to curate your yeah. audience within, you know, social media and, and, and online. And I know how important that is, but you have yeah. to understand from an yeah. outsider's perspective, this is uh, borderline invasive, right? You must know that, right? Um. I, I, I think for us, it's not. It's. I, I mean, it's the same thing that happens when you. Uh, so if you know how Facebook. Yes, and it's creepy. And talk about like similar yes. audiences and. <laughs> yes, it's all creepy. <laughs> yes, I know how. I was. I was. I was booking my flights to to Paris in the next few weeks. Uh, you know, I got incognito on Google and. Yes, I know how those KLM prices just randomly popped up in my. It's creepy, bruh. It's creepy, but it's brilliant. So, have... so I have to hand it to you. I mean, it is brilliant. I think, I think it's a stroke of brilliance how you guys have. Because really, at the heart of it, if I understand it correctly, you're creating an opportunity for users of your platform to leverage well curated, well controlled sort of social circles that make them feel safe interacting and encourage sharing in a context where people feel safe. Right? Exactly. So I mean, come on, what's not to love? But man, is it creepy. <laughs> 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 oh my word. I'm I'm sorry, I'm giving you such a hard time. But nah, um really um it's all love. I mean, this conversation's well past an hour at this point and we could keep talking. Etop, I have to ask you to promise to chat with me again because I'm going to get off the mic and I'm going to be like, flip, there are like at least 10 things I would have liked to ask you and maybe I didn't get the order right and that kind of thing. That's why I love this podcast. I don't have to get it right. I don't have to be Mr. Perfect Broadcaster. Uh, this isn't television. This isn't radio. This conversation carries on as long as we like and as long as we make the time for it. And so I look forward to hearing, you know, perhaps an update when you are... 
perhaps at nine months, because you should be halfway into burning through that new cash you just had. <laughs> and yeah, it might be nice to catch up with you and test some of the ideas that we threw around today. Yeah, yeah. And just ensure that we're not, <laughs> we're thinking of a pivot at this time and see what we have to see. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. exactly. Definitely. So man, I think we should leave it here, man. Your first time on the African Tech Roundup. I hope it hasn't been too painful. Ah uh, no, it's been amazing. I mean, uh, I mean, from our from our pre uh, pre conversation up until now, it's yeah. really amazing. I think well, uh, I should start taping those too because people always say, <laughs> Andile, you always say when you're saying something off the mic or because I do that. Sometimes it's like this. It's sort of it's an exclusive sort of vibe I, I throw out, it's like some reverse shade where I'm like, well, you know, in that conversation, y'all didn't get to hear, you know. <laughs> But that pre-conversation is easily just as insightful and as deep as what we've just had, if not deeper. And maybe next time we meet, I'll turn on my mic right away. You certainly have True Caller on all the time, so I think we'll be even. <laughs> uh, it's up. It's up, Ikwe, CEO and co-founder of Cars45.com. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Andidi. Yeah. Cheers, man.